I'm sitting here with my friend Lily Carter. Lily, thanks for joining me. And this is another episode of Zero to 60. So Lily and I met yesterday, Sunday, at a football game, at a bar. Lily has a sister, twin sister. You're a twin. Yes. Thanks for being here. Um, and my best friend is dating your si- twin sister's friend. And we all ended up watching the Panthers game yesterday. Yes, go Thurs. I'm so excited. <laughs> and you're in Charlotte because of this massive hurricane. Up. Yep, evacuating from um, Jacksonville, Florida to my college town of Charlotte, North Carolina. All right, so you grew up here. No, I just went to college here. So I grew up in Pittsburgh, and That's then so crazy. I went to Charlotte. I went to college here. I didn't even know you existed until yesterday. Go Josh and Danielle. <laughs> All right, so you're up here from Hurricane Irma. We were talking as the Panthers were beaten up on the San Francisco 49ers yesterday. And you were like, I work for Amazon. I was like, well, that's really cool. I have a podcast. I'd love to hear your story. And now we're sitting here, and I'm interviewing you. Yes, super exciting stuff. Super exciting. So we went to the same school. Didn't know each other existed till yesterday. And But you were like, I work for Amazon. And I was like, that's really cool. How did you get there? So I want to start off with, you're not from Charlotte. Your cell phone number is not a 704 number. So where does the Lily story begin? I was born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Go Steelers. Yes, go Steelers. More of a Pens fan, but go Steelers. And then I migrated down south to Charlotte, North Carolina, because I wanted to go to a school in a large city that had better weather than Pittsburgh. So I um, toured about seven or eight colleges all through the southeast and fell in love with Charlotte. And they had a great business program, so it just kind of went hand in hand. Super cool. That's awesome. So this this podcast is called Zero to Sixty. So I interview people here. I know I told you a little bit about it, but I interview people and I try to figure out how they got from zero income or a job with no barriers of entry up to sixty k. So before college, did you ever have a job? Did you earn cash in any way before you came to school? Yeah. So all throughout my life, I've kind of been um, working different kinds of jobs and then as I transitioned into high school and college I wanted to do so what were some of those jobs before college okay so before college um I like my very very first yeah sure when was the first time you did a service or anything and got paid some cash for it okay me and my twin sister used to make homemade dog treats and go to the dog park and sell them to people for a dollar made homemade dog treats yes what was inside these dog treats what made them special like peanut butter and oatmeal and all the goodness but so you're literally like, giving dogs peanut butter that you didn't know that had yeah. to be a funny sight entrepreneurial from day one for sure and kind of entertaining because i like i like think it's cool when dogs have peanut butter in their mouths <laughs> yeah i also just loved dogs as a kid so it's like anything that gets gets me closer to a dog like my parents would never let me have one when i was little so that's a good excuse though to get close to dogs and start a business and make some money along the way yeah i was super excited about so it. so you and your twin sister um decided to make some dog treats did you like how much like estimate like how much money did you make what was it like when someone actually bought one from you oh my gosh well we literally probably only made like 
50 bucks like not even kidding because we were in just summer. kids yeah in like a summer yeah. well no like in like a couple of the weekends that we did it like maybe oh, cool. 50 bucks a weekend but how old were you uh probably like seven 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 or eight yeah jeez 50 bucks is a seven or eight year old split two ways 25 bucks you're still rolling you yeah, can go you can sure. go pretty big at the school supply store with 50 with 25 dollars i think i went to the candy store but <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right, so after dog treats, do you think that experience kind of sparked your business, love of business, or just creativity? What was, what do you think about that? So I think a big influence was my parents. Both of my parents were self-employed and um, kind of made their own way for themselves. So I think they kind of raised me like, you're never really going to be happy work for, working for other people. And, or if you do work for somebody, make sure that their values align with your values. So that's kind of, um, my main driver. Those like odd and little jobs are just kind of examples of how, you know, we were always kind of driven by like this entrepreneurial spirit that our parents passed down to us. That sounds like a pretty, pretty cool household from a business standpoint to grow up in. Yeah, it was for sure. My dad, um, he was in information storage device sales and then he transitioned over to doing real estate and then my mom was a stained glass artist and sold stained glass on ebay while i was growing up no way that's so cool that's probably right as ebay was taken off yeah it was super cool to watch her like we would all sit around the computer and like watch the auction like the last couple minutes as it would like jump wow oh that's amazing i I've done some, I had a hardware store once and eBay was one of my biggest places where I, where I sold stuff. Um, after, so growing up in this household, after dog treats, do you ever get an official job as, you know, an employee anywhere or do you keep doing these kind of entrepreneurial things until, until you're 18? So I was a nanny for a long time, but like my first job for an actual company was at Subway actually. When right, I was well, like 15, pretty sure it was like illegal for me to have a job there. But did you have, so I've had a, a bunch of people on the podcast and, and they started also working at an early age, but their parents had to sign some forms to like have them, you know, employ child labor pretty much. So there were some more like 13, 14. So at 15, did you have to have any of these forms or anything filled out? Um, I don't know. I don't remember having to do that, but I got a paycheck. Like it wasn't under the table yeah. to that point. So, so like they must have figured something, some kind of way to let me work there. But, um, that's really cool. So your first job was for minimum wage. Yeah. seven twenty five. Seven twenty five. What was that like? Um, I was so pissed off about how much was being taken out of my paycheck for taxes. <laughs> and I never experienced oh, that before. The reality it was my very of first. uncle Sam. Yeah, it was my very first job, um, and I didn't have a car, obviously, because I couldn't drive, so my dad would always drop me off and pick me up, and every time I got in the car, he's like, you really smell like sandwiches, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it also showed me, like, the value of a dollar, and then whenever you're working, like, a minimum wage service job, you really learn how to treat people also, so. All right, talk to me about that, because... Um you know, a lot of people could say when you work in a minimum wage job, you learn how bad it is or anything like that. But you had a really positive outlook on it. Like you learn how to interact with people. Tell me about some of those interactions and what you learned about that. Um, so mainly I was 
at a subway in like a higher end area. So we got a pretty good mix of people as far as like moms with kids and then like dads and their sons or like uh, high school students, things like that. So most of the time I had really friendly customers, but like those few a day that I would get in that just would be on their phones while they were ordering or like shush me or something like that. Like that was just like a big lesson for me and okay, this is how I don't want to treat people or don't want to treat somebody that's of service to me, whether it's in a restaurant or, or otherwise. Um, so I think that was the biggest takeaway from those jobs besides learning the value of a dollar. That's really cool. I think that's such a good good point to learn. Like in, in life, you know, we hear a TED Talk or hear something like that. We hear a lot of what to do or a lot of how-tos. It's really cool what I found growing up and in working these jobs like that, you don't necessarily find your passion or find what you love, but you also find, you find what not to do. Like you find, like you just said, how not to treat people. Um, and I thought that was a really good point. Yeah. It puts a fire under your ass too. Like you're like, wow, I never want to go have to work at Subway again. So I better go to college or I better do this thing to get onto my resume or I better make sure that I'm having an internship or something like that. Learn a skill is more employable than sandwich making. Exactly. Very cool. And it taught you the value of a dollar. What, um, so our generation gets a lot of flack for a lot of things, but, um, what talk to me about the value of a dollar and kind of like how that impacted you at, at 15. So I started doing the math and I was like, wow, in order for me to have a dollar in my pocket and be able to buy something for a dollar, not only whenever I go buy something for a dollar, most of the time it's going to have tax. So I'm spending like a dollar and seven cents in the state of Pennsylvania. But whenever I'm trying to earn that dollar at seven twenty five for minimum wage, I'm probably only coming home with like maybe five dollars. So I started doing the math and I was just like five an hour coming home with around five bucks. Yeah. So I was just doing the math and I was like, wow, if I save this dollar, it's worth way more than if I spend this dollar because I had to work so maybe it's worth like 22 minutes. Yeah. For a dollar. Right. And I had to work for maybe like a dollar and 70 cents in order to spend one dollar. Wow. So it's really something that you start having kind of an epiphany, epiphany on like, is it really worth me spending the money versus having the money. So I always think of it like this. Whenever I'm making a purchasing decision, I think of would I rather have that cash in my hand and then some because it took me time and, you know, um, taxes and things to earn that or would I rather have that item? And if I would rather have that item, then that's whenever I would make a purchase. But whenever you think about it in um, cash and taxes and time versus that item, I think it puts the value of that dollar in like a more um, tangible sense. Wow. That's such a great way to think about it. After the subway job. um, Well, first tell me how long did you work there? Um, Probably like eight months, eight months. So till you were 16 or. Yeah, probably till I was 16. 16. And you know, we were talking at the bar and right now you work full time for for a a big company and you also do a lot of freelancing. Do you think working full time at the subway and also having your nanny nanny and gig on the side kind of spark that mentality? Um, so I was still in high or yeah, high school. It would have been high school. And, um, so I could only work there part time, but 
than nannying I do on the side too. I've always had multiple jobs. So I think, um, not only wanting to keep myself busy because I thrive on being busy, but also wanting to have, um, an intellectual, like challenging output like Amazon and then having a creative outlet like my own business, um, kind of helps because I was missing out on that creative side of things with Amazon, which is why I do. I want to get there. I want to get there later. Um, so let's, let's dive into, let's, let's save that one. Um, we got to get to zero to 60. So let's say you're working part-time at Subway, you know, part-time nanny. If you were to add up your yearly income at age 16, what would you say it was? Maybe like $5,000, $10,000? Yeah, like five or six. Five or six grand. All right. So we're about 10% to 60K. So after you leave Subway and do you have any other jobs before you head off, head down south to college? So I did. I wanted to get my foot in the door at um, some nonprofits. So I started volunteering at them. And then I what had. What would you say sparked that? Um, I was super interested in like cancer support just because I think everybody has been touched by cancer or um, a friend or loved one has had it in general. So I wanted to dive deeper into that and help other people. So I started getting interested in a nonprofit career. So I volunteered at a local nonprofit in Pittsburgh called Gilda's Club. Um, which is now named our clubhouse. And then they took me on as a summer intern after I graduated high school early in December. Um, wow. So yeah, it was super exciting stuff and they paid me $16 an hour. So you're over double. Yeah. That's a good, that's really good. There's a good chunk of time in there about like a year and a half from having like my very first job to having a job that I can, you know, put on my resume that's an internship experience and that I'm actually getting paid, like, good money for. And you worked full-time there until college or just part-time? I worked about 30 hours a week, so less wow. than full-time. But, um, yeah, it was about six months until I left for college. What was it like graduating high school earlier than all your friends and also getting into the real world a lot earlier than your friends? Did it feel different? Did it feel empowering? Did you kind of like know you were always different? Like this is kind of the path you want to choose or like how did that feel? And like high school can be really clicky, but how did you deal with that situation? It was super empowering that I had like a high school that would let me have that option because a lot of high schools don't have an early graduate option. There was about 35 of us that graduated early out of like 400 so it was a good chunk. You're in the top 10%. <laughs> they actually didn't do rankings, so I have no clue how I ranked against my graduating class. I really wish I did. But um, the 35 of us that graduated early, like I would come in at like 4.30 in the morning to do morning gym in the fitness center because I wanted to get those credits out of the way so that I could graduate. Or I um, went to classes at Point Park University. You said that so casually, but getting a 16, 17, 18 year old to wake up at 4.30 a.m. for the motivation of graduating college early, that's very unique. Graduating high school. Graduating high school you got early. got it. Kudos to you. Yeah, so basically. That really speaks a lot about your character and mindset. Yeah, you just have to bust your butt for what you want. Like, I had my mindset on graduating early and getting some real-life experience, and that's also experience that I can talk about for the rest of my life. Um, And it looked great on my resume, and it was so valuable to me because I was loving what I was doing, helping people. So um, I just kind of had my heart set on it, and then a few of my friends graduated high school early with me. 
So it made it more of an enjoyable experience to be out. And then in our free time, we could hang out. And then they um, had their own things that they were doing, like taking community college classes and things like that. Wow. And so after so you're making 16 bucks an hour before you head down south and come to college. Um, so maybe our income right now is maybe maybe you made like 10 grand that year, 15, something like that. Um, yeah, because it was only for like six, maybe seven months. Yeah, it so you're still climbing. There. You've yeah. got some money in the bank, you're able to save up for college. You have gas money probably now. Um, 16 bucks an hour is no joke. That's double minimum wage, over double minimum wage at the current time. So that's really cool. Um, you get to college down south. What you dived into this a little, but what really made you come down here? Um, so whenever I toured, I toured a, quite a few schools and I noticed that UNC Charlotte was the only one that I felt like I could be myself at. A lot of the other ones felt like clicky, preppy, like just like my high school. And I was like, I'm not just going to a larger version of my high school. I really wanted to go somewhere that was like diverse, that I would feel comfortable. Um, and as a white person, like, you know, sometimes people think like diversity wouldn't be like my number one thing that I'd be looking for, but it really allowed me to like, feel like I could be myself at my school. So I really got that vibe whenever I stepped on a campus, like, okay, everybody's just super authentic here. And it's also a beautiful school and they have a good business program. So amazing. That's, that's so good to hear. I felt a lot of the same things at at UNC Charlotte and and really, really cherish my time there. So I always love it when people seem to have loved their experience as much as I did mine because I, I felt a lot of the same things when I got there. Um, so you get to school. Do you have um, a job already there? Or are you just taking this first semester to work, fill everything out? What's what's that like? So I pretty quickly jumped into an independent contracting position with First Choice Sitters, which is um, a company that contracts out nannies. So I loved children and child care ever since I could remember. Um, and obviously did that all through high school. So it was a super flexible schedule for me to do through Sounds like a perfect gig. Yeah, it was awesome. And, um, some of my clients would pay me, you know, $19 an hour. Amazing. Yeah. So it was really good money. It was cash. Um, so just having cash that you could go home with every day was really, really nice. That's incredible. Um, so you've got some spending money now, in when you first stepped onto college, did you already have you know you seem to say like UNC Charlotte has a great business program? Did you already have in mind that you want to be a business major, and if so, what would be your focus? Yeah, so I majored in organizational management, which used to be called nonprofit management, and then they changed the name of the major to make it more applicable to larger companies as well. Um, so it was one of like. 10 schools in the nation, I think that had a nonprofit track. Wow. So I was super driven. I was like, I'm going to own my own nonprofit. Like this is what I want to do. Um, and I want to help people. So that was kind of like my driving force. And I like dove head first into their organizational management program, which is a bachelor's of science in business administration. Well, so I didn't, um, I'm not that familiar with, with all the programs at the Belt College of Business. Um, that's UNC Charlotte's business program, but I was a student there as well. I was a marketing major. Um, I knew we had some, some social, social work type majors, but they were, I think outside the business program, but 
tell me a little bit about like how the Belt College of Business interacts with nonprofits because I don't know much about that space. So as they changed the major to organizational management right as I was coming in, um, I saw this shift kind of from like a very strong nonprofit like drive in that major to just kind of more of a general business administration degree. So there is that organizational management like stress, but it's not as in depth as I think a nonprofit management major would be, which I'm kind of thankful for because now obviously I'm not working for a nonprofit company. Yeah. So, um, it's definitely given me like the full scope, but I know belt college does try to give back and things like that. So we were definitely always trying to attend different events that were put on either by the alumni association or other organizations on campus, um, to help out our local community. And Lila side note would, um, paint that's, artwork that's your twin to, sister, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Lila, my twin sister would, um, paint artwork to auction off at, the for the Levine Children's Hospital um through wow. the Belt College business. So That's amazing. Yeah, Go. definitely a cool way to give back and they're super involved in the community, which is another just awesome reason to love that school even more. Yeah. Oh, going to UNC Charlotte. That's so cool. I'm 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 always glad to hear, you know, it's such a big school and there's there's so many things going on there that it's it's hard to keep track of. I mean, we get in our little circles and um and pass and and it's really always good to hear about all those all those other things going on. So when you were at UNC Charlotte, did you already have a pretty good idea of who you were? Or would you say that um, that really helped mold you to the person that you are and are becoming or, or want to become? I would say it helped mold me a lot. I was pretty strong in who I was and who I wanted to be. Um, I had a lot of anxiety in college just about making sure I was you know, living up to my own standards and my family's standards and um, trying to kind of balance, like, school with my social life. Like, that learning curve my freshman year was really hard for me. But as I adapted to it, I really loved college, and um, I kind of grew into exactly who I guess I needed to be um, for like people around me and things like that. So it was definitely some growing pains whenever I first went to school, but, um, I had awesome professors, awesome friends, a really supportive long distance boyfriend, um, that I would visit once a month in Pittsburgh. So it was definitely quite the experience transitioning from, you know, high school to college. (laughs) That's incredible. Now, what was it like as you were starting to dive into your major and learn more about yourself? You know, you said you were pretty involved in, in campus. Um, you know, we talked and, you know, off offline, you said you were involved in the sorority. What was what was that like? So I and how did that help mold you really? Yeah, I stayed in my sorority for one and a half years um, and then. I think I learned a lot of leadership skills in it, but for me being at that age, I would rather save the money than pursue, you know, being in a sorority. It was one of those things that like it was, you did it for a year and a half. So you got the benefit out of it. Yes. Um, you're just trying to move on to different things. Yep. I kind of, um, decided that I really needed to focus my time and energy into building my resume and you can do it in a sorority some people do but um I had interests that were 
outside of the campus life that um, I thought would grow me in a different way. So I got in a car crash. I had um, medical bills and I really could not afford the sorority anymore. So on top of um, nannying and paying bills, I just really couldn't use the next bill. And then I was also saying, you know, one door closes, another one opens. Maybe this is time to look for other opportunities. Um, That's a really positive outlook. Yeah. So I was going home for a couple of the summers um, through college and I started working at DirecTV um, for one of their marketing branches called Full Circle. All right. So let's, let's stop there. So we're, it sounds like we're transitioning from the you know, independent contracting nanny world to something maybe a little more where, um, you know, it's, you're learning like a skill, like it's going to take some, some real skills to, to, to land a job at direct TV. Um, now tell me about like getting that job. How did you interview for it? Did you already have some freelance skills before that? What was, how did that, what did that job entail for one? And how'd you, how'd you get it? So I was looking for entry-level marketing positions um, because at that point, my only background was really in nonprofit management or project management, and I wanted some kind of um, marketing experience because I was kind of coming around to the time where I needed to declare a major, and it was either organizational management or marketing. So I said, let me try marketing and sales because I've heard you can be really successful at it. And I might need to change my major. So that's whenever I dove into direct TV. I um, looked for an entry-level sales position, applied on glassdoor.com, which I'm obsessed with, by the way. And um, I just heard about this on the internet, kind of knew where you wanted to be, which is marketing. And so maybe you searched Glassdoor for keyword marketing internships or something like that. Yeah, so I searched entry-level marketing. So completely cold. You don't know anybody at DirecTV. You didn't go through, like, the career center or anything like that. You just, like, went on the internet. Yep. Wow. Just just super um, kind of spontaneous and landed upon it. And um, it was $14 an hour plus commission. Wow. So for every person I signed up, I made $145. That's so cool. So you're selling, like, cable, TV, stuff like that? Yeah, so I was selling TV um, packages. Basically, I would break people out of their bundles that they had with maybe like Comcast for the TV, phone, and internet, and then um, kind of do the math for them in front of them. Like, here's how much you make, like how how much you save a year if you break out of the bundle and then have direct TV. Everybody wants to save money, and um, all of our offices were inside of Sam's Clubs. So you got a $200 Sam's Club gift card when you signed up with us. That's cool. So um, just learning how to do the sales pitch, how to kind of, you know, turn and burn and have a client follow you back to your office once you like kind of soft chat at them a little bit. Just like a lot of the sales techniques and marketing strategies um, for in-person sales I learned while I was at DirecTV. Those are incredibly valuable skills. Wow, that sounds like a big season in your life. Yeah, it was definitely a really cool experience. It was only for summer because then I had to go back to college. Um, and this specific That's what college job, internships are for. It's perfect. Yeah, this specific job was in Pittsburgh. So I moved back to Pittsburgh for the summer. And then I came back down um, for college and started my junior year. That's amazing. So internship, DirecTV, 14 bucks an hour plus commission. Sound like you had a lot of perks. And it also sounds like DirecTV did a really good job of 
making the value proposition really good for the customer. It seems like a no brainer. Like you just broke it down for me. And I was like, if I had Comcast, like I would say, of course, like makes sense. And I'm going to spend 200 bucks at Sam's Club today anyway. So of course I'd love to join. Um, but what was that like from the very first like training and first pitch when you walk over that person at Sam's Club to like your last day on the job when you're like, you had this, like it was just a part of, you know? So, the learning curve was definitely something that um, was more technical based for me. I knew I could talk to people and I could have a conversation with just about anybody, maybe even a brick wall. But <laughs> um, I needed to learn the numbers and the services and the offerings, right? So that was my biggest learning curve. But after DirecTV, I kind of realized like, okay, now I have all these great skills in marketing and I'm really good at it. But then I was like, but I don't want to do sales. <laughs> like I was so like, I was really good at it. I made great commission yeah. while I was there. Um, I just realized that sales is kind of cutthroat. It's always somebody trying to get ahead of you and your own company and world. And maybe that was just the atmosphere at my job, but um, it was kind of a turnoff for me because I am such like a people person come from like this nurturing nonprofit background and surrounded by people that are like social workers or cancer survivors and just like the cutthroat world was just made no sense to me and it was like I was kind of taken back by the business side of direct tv sales like how um, people were willing to kind of climb the ladder on the backs of other people so I kind of decided then I'm going to stick with good thing. It was only two months. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to stick with organizational management and, um, it's incredible that you took so many valuable skills from there. And again, we're back to the point of not necessarily, did you find what you loved after these two months, but you definitely figured out what you didn't want to do. Right. That's really cool. Um, so you come back to UNC Charlotte. What's after direct TV? Are you, are you full-time student? Do you now have a better sense of maybe the direction you want to go? Um, you know, what's your mindset right now? What's next? So I was thinking about owning my own business. Um, I was really into helping people and I loved to use chiropractic and massage to help myself relax. So I was like the mar the margins on, um, massage therapy are really great. So then I started thinking about possibly owning a day spa Lila was super interested in it as Twin well. Sister. So we were, yeah, we were thinking <laughs> about going into um, business together and opening a spa at the time. Um, and we kind of started brainstorming this business model and this business plan. And we're, you know, dreaming up this life after graduation. Well, at the same time, um, I also began a job at Sack Lunch Productions as an event coordinator. Sack Lunch is a UNC Charlotte program, company? No, it's actually Arizona-based, but they hold... All right, so it's not like the Student Activity Center, Sack. It's a different... No. Nope. Completely different. All right, S -A -C -K. go ahead. S-A-C-K. S-A-C-K, all right. <laughs> um, so basically, I helped plan and how did you How did you find that? It seems random to go you know, find a job with a company based out of Arizona. Yeah, it was a friend of a friend that was working... So like Warm Market Network. Yes. All right. Friend of a friend. Cool, sure. cool. Um, friend of a friend. Basically, they traveled around hosting Slide the City events and Color Me Rad, which are like those color run events. Oh, they host those. Yeah. Wow. So um, there's really a few different companies. Yeah, there's a few different companies that do them. So they were coming to Charlotte and some of the surrounding areas. Um, 
and they needed people that were day of event coordination and then brand ambassadors and things like that. So, um, I kind of jumped in with two feet whenever he said he needed people to help out and it was $20 an hour cash. That's perfect. Wow. Um, so friend of a friend, you, now you get involved in these kind of event driven companies, um, pays good. Sounds like you get to have a good time where you're working too. Um, how long did you work there? How many hours? What was it like? So it was, um, a couple weekends a month or a weekend here and there, whenever they would come to our city or surrounding city. And then this particular company also partnered with, um, NASCAR. So we would do NASCAR customer appreciation events inside of Harris Teeter as brand ambassadors as well. So I was kind of like an IC for them as um, a brand ambassador slash day of event coordinator through these Color Me Rad events or Slide the City, which is the water slide that comes to your city. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And then um, also the NASCAR appreciation events. That's incredible. And so you're making 20 bucks an hour. How long do you stay at this place? Um, I did it for two summers in a row. All right. Now you learn any really hard skills here. Is it just something that pays good? It's really fun. You get to meet a lot of good people and just like have a great time. Oh yeah. So it was kind of a hot mess. One summer we had a slide the city event in Pittsburgh and that's cool. Yeah. The water slide they put on a hill that was way too steep. So we had a ton Insurance of injuries, policy. ton of injuries and um, they oversold the tickets for the event. So people bought like unlimited ride passes to go to the event and then were only able to make it like twice in line throughout the day because it was a three hour long line. Sounds like one of those experiences where it's glad you just get to show up work and then leave because I would not have wanted to deal <laughs> with all that, especially yeah. the legal stuff after that event was over. At this point, I was... Um, doing the retail side of things, selling like the merchandise and managing about $17,000 of sales per day for the three day long event. Um, doing that amount, just, just me like one man show. And then my friends who also worked there were working the registration booth. So thankfully they got a lot more flack than I did, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, yeah, it was basically, learning experience of how do you deal with unhappy customers and how are you going to make this right and what to do whenever um, people are really upset at you in the moment. That's really cool. So it's really interesting the skills that you're acquiring here. So in Subway, you're learning like how to talk to people and deal with them. Um, And you're usually probably not going to have a mad customer at Subway. They come in, build their own sandwich and leave. Direct TV, you're you're making people happy, you're saving them money. But in this one, you're learning how to deal with unhappy people, which is a skill that would you say you hadn't really mastered before or really had to refine? So just in a different way, nonprofit kind of taught me how to deal with upset people because you'd have people coming in newly diagnosed and had to console them. Yeah. Um, but people that were angry at like me or my company directly – that was like a brand new experience. So working your company at this event place, event company. Yes, the yeah. event company. Right. The one that I, you know, worked yeah, yeah. for and like was the face to them. Like yeah. they knew Slide the City as me, Lily yeah. Carter. Like cool, cool. whenever they see me in a staff shirt. Nice. So um yeah, and that event ended up kind of taking a turn for the um 
worse whenever we had to refund everybody's money and had a bunch of insurance claims, but you that, got through it. yeah, we got through it. Um, and that was, so you, know, you learned learning not only how to run events here, but you learned how not to run events here. Yes, it's, absolutely. It's really cool. And to scope out an event location, <laughs> make yeah. sure that the hill is not too steep or whatever kind of issue or, um, strategy you need to create for an event space yeah and And also not to over overbook or oversell something that people have to stand in line for because they will be very upset it's really cool to use those those same types of thinking like i work in software now we're constantly thinking of before we start building something like let's think of how we would break this first let's think Mm -hmm. of um you know to use like your sin if we made the slides too too steep what would happen like, uh, if we made the server space too small, what would happen? If we didn't code something this way, what would happen if it wasn't secure enough? So let's try to break it before we build it, and we're going to add more and more checklists. I think as we go through life and get these experiences, um, that's how we really become better. Like, I remember in my, my last job, I was a consultant at a, at a big bank here, and me and this other guy were doing the same jobs. He was just 20 years older than me, and... So from a practical perspective, I was like, man, how is this this person better? Like, you know, we're doing like literally the same role. But as I kept working with him, I was like, that's what 20 years of experience will get you. And it wasn't that our hard skills were that much apart, but the skills that are intangible, like the questions he would ask about what could go wrong or the things and scenarios he would think of. I went home one day and I was talking to a mentor of mine and I was like, I finally understand like how valuable experience is. And I just learned so much on that project. And it's it's really cool that, that you went through a, a time like that as well. Yeah, it's crazy. And more and more people are uh, learning the value of experience whenever they get out into the world, maybe had no internship, um, and yeah. then try to get a job after college. And college isn't even enough anymore. You know, you have to build oh, that totally. resume every summer. Oh, totally. Now, after that job, what year? You did, you did that for two summers, you said, right? Yeah. So are you coming into senior year after that? Yep. All right. So it's a big, a big time. Like, you know, you have to in, enter the quote unquote real world. Um, or as John Mayer says, there's no such thing as the real world, just a lot you've got to rise above. So in that last year, do you kind of have a sense of where you want to go? You're a marketing major at this point. Are you looking for jobs, corporate nine to five? Are you doing your own thing? Like what's going on here? So I was organizational management. Cause we're still I not at 60 K and we got to get there. <laughs> yes, almost 60k. Um, 20 bucks 60 an plus. hour. Yes. During the summers, but no full-time job yet. Right. <laughs> full-time student for sure. Cool, um, cool. But so I kind of decided that um between talking to Lila, my twin, and then my father about starting a spa, um my father thought that it would be best for us to get some real world experience before we had our own business. So even though I have worked at um, a few different companies at this point, I decided that I was going to, you know, kind of do the quote unquote nine to five thing um, for, you know, X amount of time until I decided that it wasn't for me anymore. So um, I started applying for jobs. And Okay, so walk me through that. You're in the senior year. UNC Charlotte has a ton of resources about like applying from jobs, from a career center to multiple career fairs, to mentors, to teachers, to alumni networks. What was that f- you know like when 
when you were applying for jobs? Like what avenues did you did you go through? I went to every career fair that they had on campus. Wow. Yeah. Um, for business majors. And then and did you get guidance beforehand. Like, Hey, when you go to a career fair, here's some things you need to know. Like have your resume smile, be nice. Or did you just wing it and go? I always dressed like very nice. Like I was going for a job interview. And did, did your like teachers tell you to do that? Or you instinctually knew? I mean, it's kind of common sense, but yeah, our teachers know, definitely really. coached us through it. That's and really cool. I had teachers that were like, send me over your resume. Like I'll look over it. Oh wow. Um, I had teachers. So they went above and beyond for you. Yeah. They were so like hands on, especially for such a large school. I was kind of taken back. Like, wow, this teacher is actually willing to give me like one-on-one time. Um, That's incredible. Yeah. So I had a few different teachers coach me through like my resume and how to negotiate salary and things like that, that I would confront down the line. See, that's really incredible. You said multiple teachers. Like, usually you hear these stories and be like, well, I had this one teacher who really took me under their wing and all this stuff. But I had, like, such a similar experience at UNC Charlotte. Multiple teachers, like, really have a very strong desire to help you. And it sounds like you did as well. So that's just really, really cool. Um, one of them, I guess, it makes me feel less special because they, they didn't just do it for me. But also, <laughs> it's just, I think you're you're exactly right. You are surprised to hear that at such a big school, but they do a really good job of, of really catering to the individual. And it's really cool. You had teachers come to you and say, like, let me help you with a resume. Let me help you with this. And, and you use the perfect word, coach you. And I think that's so valuable as we were making those transitions in our life at age 21, 22, um, to have those coaches so we don't make uh, rookie mistakes. Yes, definitely. Very susceptible to the rookie mistake at, um, you know, the age you're at coming fresh out of college or preparing to enter the real world, as they say. But I kept reminding myself, like, Lily, you are already in the real world. There is nothing to worry about. You're just going to school instead of going to work. So that kind of took some of the edge off of it because everybody talks about this real world like it's super scary. But going Um, to work instead of going to school yeah i was like i'm actually gonna get paid (laughs) to get up and go somewhere every day so i applied to amazon and tell me about the career fair though um before we get to to amazon tell me about the career fairs and what those were like so i wanted to stop by um mainly either large companies or companies that were smaller but hospitality driven because I was like, if I'm eventually going to own a spa, I want experience in like maybe hotel management or spa management or guest relations, customer service, things that would grow my soft skills um, in order to have the most successful business possible later on. So I was scouting um, at the career fair. It's really a two-way street. Like you're not just looking for – Uh, or they're not just looking for you. You're also looking for them, right? Like you don't want to be matching yourself with a company that you can never see yourself at. And that's why I always tell people, I'm like, okay, look at the vision of the company too. Look at how they treat their employees. Look at the work-life balance. Um, Look at the full package because that's going to be like your life 40 plus hours a week. Um, And the 40 hours a week is kind of a myth. Like everybody I know that works the full-time job works at, at least 45 to 50. Totally. So, um, Yeah, and the career fair was a great experience. Even if you're not going to really have an interest in applying to that job, you're still getting practice talking to professionals. Yeah, yeah. Now, did you use it? Was Amazon at the career fair or? No, not at all, actually. We're not not one of those schools that gets Amazon at our career fair. I know they do come to other schools. One day. One day we'll be there. Yeah. (laughs) 
Maybe I'll did go you go to the Career that. Center or how did you hear about Amazon? Um, I did not get it through UNC Charlotte at all, actually. So UNC Charlotte played its role into my employment by kind of having those professors coach me on my resume and interview skills. But for Amazon, I applied through their college recruiter program, which just um, online randomly. A recruiter actually hit me up on LinkedIn okay. and was like, hey, your work experience seems like it would really match well with our management program. So that's important. I mean, it's not only that you had these internships, graduated high school early, you put in the work to put that on LinkedIn because they would never would have found you if you wouldn't have published that stuff. Yeah, I am like the LinkedIn Jedi, like self-proclaimed, <laughs> <laughs> because I actually taught a um, class to the Success Center for Entrepreneurs virtually on how to amp up your LinkedIn profile. Is it recorded? Um, it, it is show not notes? recorded. Oh, I'm sorry. If you ever do another one, send us the link. Yes, but um, the Success Center for Entrepreneurs is a really great resource, um, but they asked me to do a LinkedIn kind of virtual workshop. Awesome. Uh, so you apply to Amazon through the college recruiter and what's the interview process like? The interview process was basically whenever you apply, um, you do like a virtual module to see if you can kind of do the math and things required for the job. And then you take a personality type assessment to see if your personality type matches what they're looking for in managers. All right. And then they reach out to you and they invite you for an interview. Um, I was invited for an interview in Atlanta about five days before they wanted me to be in person there. So being in Charlotte, um, they rented me a car, flew me out, well, flew me out, rented me a car and then put me up in a hotel for two days. Go Amazon. Yeah. And I was like, y'all are already treating me so good. I don't (laughs) even work for you yet. It's such a healthy outlook to look at employment and and job seeking as a two-way street like companies are trying to buy the best labor and we're trying to work for the best companies um it's it's totally a supply and demand thing it's not you know talented people um and good companies they want they want the best people and it's it's totally a two-way street i had one of my first podcasts here greg bartos talks about kind of how he interviews for jobs like after these waitress or subway kind of jobs um where it's just a two-way street. Like, like you need to identify and want to work for the company and they have to want you as well. So like any healthy relationship, it's a, it's a giving and receiving on, on both ends. For sure. I definitely agree with that. Um, and they were trying to sell themselves for sure. Like not only get me down for the interview, but um, definitely trying to impress upon us that, you know, they're going to take really great care of us as employees of the company. That's incredible. And your twin sister just got back with Chick-fil-A. So we got to hurry up and get to 60K before <laughs> so we can go eat. Thanks, Lila. And Panera. All right, so wow, we beautiful. get to eat after this. Um, so we're at Amazon. You go through the interview process. Sounds like pretty intense. I mean, they invested a lot in flying you down or driving you down and hotel and all that stuff. Um, how would you say one so two things what was the interview process like by phone you know did you have to do challenges solve math problems you told us a little bit about the screening beforehand and then second how would you say your experience at unc charlotte really helped prepare you for that interview and obviously you passed it because you work there now yeah so basically um i walked into their one of their headquarters at atlanta um and I was with about, I would say, 12 other people at a round table, just other college students that were interviewing. Um, And we kind of did like an introduction 
with our recruiter, the guy who reached out to me on LinkedIn was there. And he was basically like, so here's how it's going to go. You guys are each going to go to two different rooms. The first person will interview you. And then the second person will do a follow-up. Um, and then those people discuss together how they feel about how you would fit at Amazon. Pretty nerve wracking or did they help you kind of feel comfortable? Oh yeah. So the first woman I went to was super nerve wracking. She made almost no eye contact. I think she was just having a bad day. Um, she was like, okay, sit down. We're going to get started. And I was just like a nervous wreck. I was like, hi, how are you? Like, how's your day? <laughs> so, um, and you'd be kind of been coached on this at UNC Charlotte, like a little bit of, of interviewing and answering questions. Yeah. So we've for sure got, you know, the practice in, um, with my business communications class, especially that's kind of, they teach you how to negotiate salary, how to run through some practice interview questions, things like that. Um, so whenever I walked into the interview, I wasn't really sure what to expect. Like I read on Glassdoor a lot of situational questions. So that's what it ended up being. Um, they asked me about my resume, different experiences, how I would handle, um, a challenge or some kind of specific task. But basically my advice to people that are interviewing at Amazon, like use the star method. Okay. Um, situation task. What's the star method? Yes. Situation like task, a action, result. Situation, task, action, result. That's four. Yeah. Is it a four point star? Oh, star, S-T-A-R, yep. situation, task, action, result. I yes. get it now. And then um, basically that's how you answer s- situational questions. So, if somebody says, what would you do if um, an employee came up to you and told you that you were having showing favoritism towards another employee and they thought it was un- uncool? Yeah. Then, you know, you would go through the situation, like restate it. And then um, the task, like my task as a manager is to make sure everybody feels, you know, treated equally and respected. And then action, what would you do about it? I would tell her that I would really like to work with her and make sure that we're having her feel a hundred percent comfortable. Um, at a bigger company, you might want to document that kind of conversation with HR and then R for result. And then I would, you know, want to check back in with that employee and make sure that they're feeling valued. Wow. So that's always how I recommend, um, approaching not only future questions, like how would you approach and then also addressing, past experiences like how did you deal with a customer that was upset at you or something like that and you always go through the star method and then and you had some good experiences like the the slide and yeah everything from nanny into subway you actually had stories to tell here it wasn't just um yeah stuff i definitely wasn't like pulling stuff out of nowhere i was using my real experiences and then also they asked me what my favorite leadership principle of amazon was and what is yours Earn trust of others. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, Amazon so, definitely does that. Yes. I've never um, been hacked. Everything always shows up on time. Right. From and the customer perspective. It's beautiful, so yeah. As a manager, we have um, a few different customers. We have the customer that we're delivering the package to. My customers are my employees that report to me. Yeah. And then um, my upstream customers are my manager that I report to, how I'm doing for them. Cool. So, um, so you're getting into like kind of the weeds of of the Amazon day to day, but I want to bring us back to 60. So you land this interview through the star method, through your accomplishments, through your resume at UNC Charlotte and all of the, and the skills you learn there. Do you sign on to Amazon or do you go work somewhere else? 
I didn't sign on the spot. They didn't deliver offers on the spot at all. I okay. waited about, I would say, six or seven days, and I got an offer letter in my email. All right. So we're trying to get to 60K. When you got that offer letter, was it, did it have a number on it, or do you, do you call in to receive that? Um, it did have a number on it. So my total compensation package, like salary plus starting bonus plus relocation. Drum roll, please. Uh, was 76,000. Whoa, zero to 76. Yes. That's so a fast car. Not zero to 60. Yeah, it was really um, kind That's of crazy. Congratulations. So, yeah, just to be 20 and accepting a job offer for that much. And then also accepting a job offer in like October for a main yeah. graduation. Wow. I was pretty much like very comfortable my so entire you senior, into your year. senior year. You have a job offer. Uh, offer for $76,000 in October and you graduate in May. Yeah. Go you. Go UNC Charlotte. Yeah, I was super pleased with myself and also like being a naturally anxious person, like I just like was so satisfied to have everything figured out and not have to worry about it. Like I was like, yes, I don't have to worry about applying to jobs. I don't have to worry about interviewing. And That's incredible. Yeah, and Amazon's not going out of business. They're doing nothing but growing. Right, job security. The stock for price sure. when you were there was probably like five or six hundred bucks. I'll have to look that up. I, I work in the markets. To, it's up to like a thousand, maybe. It now? got over. It's back down. I think it's like nine sixty today. Oh, I'm long. I got. I'm long calls on Amazon, so it needs to get back up to a thousand. Yeah, they do give us um, stocks as well in our compensation package, but Go I didn't count guys. that in the seventy six. Of course, so. yeah, yeah, that's incredible. But, well, yeah. I'm super happy for you. Zero to seventy six, um, zero to sixty. You got there, um, you know, you blew it out, blew it out the water. So that's really incredible. One thing we didn't get into this podcast, so I have to bring you back on for for that in the future. But you do a lot of freelancing work, so we're gonna wrap up this interview and go eat that Chick Fil A over there with your twin <laughs> sister. Um, but tell me, tell me, and tell other people where they can find you. Um, you know, if they want to reach out to you, maybe for some mentor questions. I'm sure you'd be more than happy to help anybody. That you can, but you also have a website. You do a ton of freelance work um, that we didn't even touch on. We'll have to get you back on for that. But uh, tell us where the, where we can find you. Yeah, so you guys can connect with me on LinkedIn, um, Lily she's, Carter. She's a pro at LinkedIn. Yes, I do love LinkedIn. And I'll um, kind of look over your LinkedIn and give you critiques if you would like. I can also internally refer you to um, Amazon if you'd like that. And then but you got to be good. Yeah, She's you not have gonna refer to, you if you're if, a schmuck. If you're gonna if you're gonna be a great fit for the company, I don't want to set you guys up for failure. And then and you she can also want that stock price to go down, so you better be good. <laughs> you can connect with me on um, my graphic design and website design site as well, lemonleafmedia.com. Spell it out for us. L e m o n l e a f m e d i a dot com. Very cool. And yes. you've got a lot of your freelance work that you do on there. Yes, I do mainly um, graphics and logo design, and then I've done quite a few websites as well. So um, That's really I'm cool. extremely proficient in Photoshop, yeah, Lightroom, um, things like that. Making so. things look beautiful. Yes. That's incredible. Design. <laughs> well, I want to hear about some of your top clients later, but we're going to wrap this up. Let's say you just meet a freshman at UNC Charlotte or someone in their senior year at UNCC looking to or any college around the country or the world that's looking to make that transition and really they're asking that question how do i go from from being a nanny or from being a uh, you know a waiter or working for a moving company to 60k like what kind of principles or what advice would you give them as we wrap up 
So I would definitely say as tempting as it is to like live up your college summertime to use that as, oh, it's my last hurrah before I have to enter the real world. Let me just chill. Um, get an internship or add to your resume every single summer and have something that's value added that you're doing every summer or every like block of time. Like every semester you should be doing some kind of project or um, having some kind of major group or like event that you're participating in that you can say I added value in this way and be able to talk about that during an interview or add it to your resume um also slay the LinkedIn profile for sure there's a ton of articles slay on, it there's a ton of articles on Jedi style yes and just make yourself findable online um create those websites for yourself or create those professional social media accounts so that people can reach out to you like recruiters that's great advice. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm glad. I'm not glad that there was a huge hurricane that went through your state, but I'm glad <laughs> that uh, our lives crossed paths and we were able to sit down and do this. I think it's really going to help a lot of people. Yes. Yeah, super blessed to be here. Thank you so much, Colby. I appreciate you having me on. All right. See you guys later. Bye.